This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today is Matthew Wolfert, Principal and Architect at Bray Architects. Matt has worked in the AEC industry for over 23 years and has dedicated his career to enhancing school districts and communities across Wisconsin. As an architect, business owner, and referendum strategist, his impact reaches beyond building design. Matt's leadership has provided mentorship to employers and aspiring professionals as well as successful referenda and funding initiatives for communities. Over two decades of Matt's impact on communities and educational environments can be seen across Wisconsin supporting his recognition as an icon of construction. For more information, feel free to visit BrayArch.com. Again, that's BrayArch.com. Hello, Matt. We're honored and thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me, Tom. Great to be here. Now, Matt, you know, we talked before uh, we came on the show about, uh, you know, what really matters, uh, a mantra quote, but you had a terrific one that involves not just you, but your entire organization. And and really, I felt did a really nice job of capturing uh, the essence of a culture. Uh, Can you share that with uh, your audience today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, we believe strongly uh, within the organization and individually that, you know, successes are organizational successes and inversely challenges or failures have to be shared and are shared by all as well. And the main goal is to make sure that all 80 plus of us are pulling together in the same direction. It's not project A was successful because of an individual or two or project B was not because of an individual or two. Um, when we do have challenges, we, we get together and we try to figure out how, as an organization, we could have prevented that. And, and we don't spend a lot of time pointing fingers at individuals. And I, I just believe strongly in uh, the inverse of the, the old way of architecture, which was there was the, the individual that walked in the room and threw their scarf around their neck and they were the architect. Um, it, it's just not how we're structured organizationally. And I believe that some of the greatest work is done as a team, as an organization, not individually. What brought about that that mindset for you? You know, I think part of it is just how I came into the profession. So I, I kind of, long story short, I was hired as a high school intern by opening the yellow pages and dialing a business of a, of a profession you were interested in. And I had no clue as a junior in high school what I really wanted to do, but was kind of interested in architecture. And so I literally called Bray Architects and they hired me to run blueprints and get gas in the former owner's cars. And I kind of worked my way up through the organization and did some marketing and business development work. And I, you know, I'd always realized as I had kind of all these varying roles within the company that it does take every aspect of the business being successful uh, for the projects to be successful, for the clients to be happy and, and for the business to be successful. Uh, and so we've always worked really hard to try to make sure we're sharing and recognizing the strengths of all and I do believe, and I think the organization uh, agrees as well, that making sure that uh, architects don't have work to do if marketing and business development doesn't 
do their job in, in winning new work and mm-hmm. paychecks don't come in and, and consultants don't get paid if the business side of the operation isn't working. And so uh, not focusing on the individuals as much as focusing on the whole and the team as a whole, uh, I think is extremely important when we're continuing to grow our organization. Yeah, I noticed that your website is very dynamic and it, it's a very uh, user-friendly for a, a better word, I think it is. And it, it was very relevant and you really, I navigated through very easily and simply and it was obviously, I thought I liked your work and I thought your range is terrific. Is that by design? It absolutely is. And I appreciate you saying that we, okay. uh, our marketing team uh, puts a lot of work into um, serving, understanding how our clients and our colleagues and our, our partners engage with us uh, virtual or digitally through the website. And uh, they've done a great job continuing to enhance the content to make sure it is relevant, it, it is up to date, and uh, they do a great job doing that. We, we really have worked hard on not only uh, the internal growth of the organization, but making sure that we stay relevant through our, our digital interfaces where the vast majority uh, these days, as we all know, uh, of potential clients and potential coworkers are, are having their first connection with us as an organization. So. Thank you for, for the, the kind words and the feedback. I, I know the marketing team will appreciate it because they do work very hard to make sure that the website is, is relevant, as you said. Yeah, it's, ter- it's terrific. And, and on that subject, it's, it's, I think it's relevant to, to architecture as well. A little bit, maybe a little bit of a left turn is, is the branding of it. I noticed there's a, uh, with a lot of firms, there's not a real brand. There's a, a, a great work, but there's also a brand with yours and great work, which is, I think, quite rare is... Am I off a little? No, or? not at all. And, and okay. the, again, the, the, we actually just are going through a rebrand, and, and a lot of that grew out of, okay. just launched it last week, it really grew out of continuing to engage with our clients. We have a lot of partners, engineers, construction managers, material suppliers. Um, as, as you know, the industry, it takes a lot. Uh, you know, architecture is a lot more than just uh, drawing pretty pictures. There's a lot to it. And all those partners and industry partners uh, really continuing to engage with them, um, always understanding that if we're not continuing to invest in our organization, invest in our brand, invest in, in growing the firm, we're, we're falling behind. And so uh, brand does matter. Uh, it's recognizable. Um, it needs to be timeless because um, that's really one of our stall, uh, one of our hallmarks as an organization is uh, we don't have a signature style that in 20 years people are going to point back and say, oh, that's a Bray design building because it have, has some element or some specific design uh, to it. Um, we really are, are designing timeless buildings that reflect our clients' goals, not our goals. Um, and I think that's where brand really does need to align with those characteristics. On the subject of timeless, obviously, you've are, that's a focus. But also, why does it mean and matter so much to you to be timeless? Well, we're designing institutional public sector projects for the most part. And these are buildings that have life cycles of, you know, 60, 70, 80, 100 years in many cases. And uh, it's a very different uh, type of client. We aren't designing strip malls that are, are specifically designed to meet a performa and will be 20 different things and constantly remodeled. These are schools in many cases, law enforcement facilities uh, that will, in their initial invention and, and construction, likely serve 20 years or more before they get even a minor investment. And so designing for the moment and designing for what's happening today uh, without the flexibility and the foresight and the timelessness 
to allow the building to adapt and support everything that's coming. If anybody can tell us how education is going to be delivered in 20 years, good luck. There's a lot happening and it's always changing and we need to make sure that our buildings support uh, well beyond our immediate understanding of where teaching and learning are going so that they can be adapted to support whatever is, is at the forefront in 15, 20, and 30 years. What's your experience like when you actually see a project's com- completed, not just as a professional, but even just as a, a person when you, t- when you talk with uh, school administrators and you see everyone there from the moment, and looking back as much as you can envision to how it was just, a, in effect, a dream or a, a hope, and now it's an actual true reality where there's a door turned and, and that building is made. What's that feel like for you? Yeah, that's it's a great question. It, it's the reason we keep coming back and doing Ugh. more of this type of work. Um, you know, the as much of it as it is doing great architecture and producing buildings that uh, inspire uh, students and staff uh, to teach and learn at a higher level, um, we get the joy of building really strong relationships with our clients. Um, there's many clients over 20 years that have become friends that I, I remain friends with well after they retire. Uh, and I, I intend to remain friends with them well after I do. It, it really is a very personal relationship that has developed when you go on this journey together of oftentimes not having any idea uh, what the solution is, what the needs are, what a community will financially support. Um, and over years and years, sometimes you know five plus years together, having successes, having failures, having community members not agree and referendums for funding not passing, um, having the relationship to, to take that client to the next step and help them find success is, is really rewarding. And I'd also say that seeing a school building as one example, uh, an elementary school, seeing eight, nine and 10 year olds walk into their school for the first time. And, and most of the time they've come from 1960s or, or earlier vintage buildings, which had very few windows and corridors with no space for students to kids to be kids to be active and to be moving it's there's nothing better than seeing that initial interaction and then eventually going back and seeing those school buildings with the the students uh, using them as were planned it's an extremely rewarding aspect of the profession outstanding this is the architecture and innovation show Brought to you by Syracled. We're uh, talking today with Matthew Wolfert, Principal and Architect at Bray Architects. For more information, feel free to visit brayarch.com or brayarc.com. Matt, what projects, if you're at liberty to share with us, that you're working on currently? So we have a lot of projects that are uh, currently in the uh, all phases of planning. So much of my personal work is on the uh, conceptual design early pre-funding phase. So it involves a lot of strategy work with clients to help them understand. The Midwest generally relies heavily on on public referendums to to support school construction projects. And so uh, that brings a whole different aspect to the profession. Uh, it, It isn't about defining a need, determining the cost and proceeding with the project in most cases. Uh, there's a whole another six to nine month pause after that process has been undertaken, whereby we have to actively engage the community in a conversation about the needs, the solution and the cost. And do they agree? Uh, and so much of my work is focused on that uh, aspect of, of the, the process right now. Um, things are changing every day. We're, we're blessed to have projects that are pursuing and then have achieved net zero status. So they're going to produce as much energy in a year as, as they consume. 
which is extremely innovative, extremely challenging, uh, and a lot of fun to work on. We have clients on the other end of the spectrum whereby they are declining enrollment and have have to close schools. Um, and so we're in, in, in a situation where we're facilitating community conversations around closing somebody's neighborhood elementary school. Uh, so the spectrum of what we get to do is, is really enjoyable. It's really challenging at times. And uh, while, while some may think K-12 school buildings are the same and they're repetitive, you just pick one up and drop it in the next community, um, there are aspects of them that are similar, but every community has a different vision for how teaching and learning uh, will be enhanced by an investment in facilities. Every community has a different level of tolerance for um, the, the scale or, or the cost uh, of a project. And so uh, that's the real joy I find is helping clients navigate that community conversation to make sure that we align the right solution at the right price with what's with something the community can support. And uh, those types of efforts are happening all over the Midwest right now. And while designing buildings is great and we've got a new new 450,000 square foot high school which we'll be mm. de dedicating coming up here we've got a second 170 million dollar new high school uh, which is under construction really proud of those really big scale brand new buildings um, the process of helping the clients get to that place where they can actually undertake the design and construction uh, is really my main area of focus and something that uh, doesn't feel like architecture uh, but is essential to finding that successful partnership with the community in most cases. Go back to a lot of fun to work on. Share with us a bit about why it is a lot of fun to work on. Though there are a lot of fun to work with. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because that's, I think, the area where um, the excitement and the joy of working with other people, whether they're your clients, whether they're your coworkers, whether they're your consultants or construction managers, um, finding the joy in the relationships you build and finding joy in collectively solving the problem for the client um, really is enjoyable. And I can't describe the, the joy on every project being exactly the same. Uh, obviously, sometimes the team just gels different and, and, and the individuals um, you know, become friends throughout the process. Um, but I can't think of a project where I left and said, you know, gosh, I can't think of one single thing that wasn't enjoyable about the process, about the people, about the eventual project. Um, so it's important, I think, in any profession, but definitely in ours is to uh, do your best to not allow the challenges of the day or the negative uh, that is going on to, to get in the way of, of the joy that we should find. We're creating amazing spaces that students or communities will use and engage with on a daily basis for decades to come. What an awesome opportunity. Uh, and, and it's something you should be excited about as a professional. Why, why is it like that, Matt? I mean, how, how did you grow up to be, to, to have that, that level of care? Yeah, I, I you know, it's, it's funny you ask. I, I really don't have any perspective on how I ended up kind of in this position other than... <laughs> I will generally say I think that the, the main reason was I was crazy enough to outwork a lot of people at times. Okay. Uh, but when you love what you do, sometimes you realize it isn't work. Um, working 60 hours a week to me isn't that something that really bothers me. I love it. I enjoy what I do. 
Uh, I love making our clients happy. I love seeing our, uh, our employees and our coworkers, our team members succeed and grow and have families and buy first houses and all of that stuff is so rewarding. And I'm often, I have to kind of step back and remind myself that I'm a kid that grew up in a you know, middle to lower middle class family. I never was not part of a business family growing up. I've, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way and figured it out by not repeating those mistakes. And uh, But going at it with a positive attitude and bringing the joy and excitement uh, to the to the workday, I think is essential to the success of any organization because that that excitement and that passion can and should perpetuate the culture of the organization. Obviously, as, as an architect and a builder, uh, the buildings matter, and uh, but the relationship with clients, it, it sounds like that really matters, maybe even more so to you at some level. Am I, am I off? Or? Well, I, no, in a way, no, because I think okay. even the greatest piece of architecture, if the client doesn't share in your joy and passion and don't also kind of are equally as proud of the product that was created or it missed along the way in terms of how it supports their function, uh, and their day-to-day -day use, I don't deem that a successful project. We're happy and, and are always excited when our, our projects are recognized with design awards, but if that design award comes next to a client who's really unhappy with how the building performs, whether it's got some constructability challenges that result, resulted in significant change orders, it, that project isn't as successful. Uh, and so making sure we're always concentrating on balancing we're designing a building for somebody else, not for ourselves. And so making sure that when the end product is dedicated and we walk the building, um, it's the best feeling when the client is telling you about all the great aspects of the project and when they're connecting it back to the conversations two, three, five years ago that led to that decision being made, you know they were all in and you know that they really are as excited and filled with the joy that we are when we get to walk the buildings on dedication day. Now, you definitely uh, spoke of it, Matt, at the uh, beginning of the show, but can you share with us the culture at Bray Architects? Yeah, and I, the culture is changing and, and I've, we're still working on it, right? And cultures are never perfect. They're always a work in progress. Uh, we were a 20-person firm eight years ago. Um, we've grown the organization to over 80. Um, that that has come with some cultural challenges. Uh, we had a, a few years of uh, it was just all about work and, and not at all about having fun because we were winning too much work. And uh, a lot of credit goes to some of our senior level leadership team who kind of pressed pause and said, we've got to do something about this. We need to reorganize how we're delivering our projects. and. Um, we've been fortunate to, to address, I think, those challenges and, and broken our, our organization up into delivery teams. Um, we call them their studios in some larger organizations. And there's 10 to 12 architectural, interior design and construction-based team members who are working together on a variety of projects, big to small. Uh, but they're, they get to develop their own little team cultures within the overall firm culture. The biggest challenge, I think, has been the last you know two years, and I think everybody that's that's been in business and, and trying to navigate uh, this immediate pivot from one sun one Monday being in the office to the Tuesday being some version of a hybrid in office, remote or all remote, um, has created cultural challenges. And it's interesting how um, we, we were really well equipped technologically to make that switch. That wasn't an issue. Um, 
we onboarded, I think, 18 new employees during COVID. That created a whole new set of challenges. Um, there are still team members who are working remotely and virtually who have worked with us for going on two years who I've never personally met more than once. Um, not My style doesn't work as well that way. I like the personal interaction. Um, and so we're still working on it. Uh, not exactly sure what the right answer is yet. We're letting our team members inform us on what they think is right. There are surely individuals that prosper under the, the remote work environment and they've got their head down and they're grinding every day. There are others that don't. Uh, and I can appreciate the challenges that come with that. Um, I worry a little bit about the younger staff who benefit from just overhearing the conversations that happen at the workstation next to them um, regarding technical delivery of a project or a challenge that we faced and how we addressed it. And you're not going to schedule a Zoom meeting to have that conversation. They're just organic conversations that happen. And I think they're the, kind of the heartbeat of the culture. Uh, and so we're still navigating that in terms of what the culture looks like moving forward and how we can make sure that our, our remote team members are, are feeling part of the team. Uh, as much or as little as they want to, but culture is key uh, and it's part of growing comes with some challenges, but we're really proud of the work that our teams have done to build many cultures on their delivery teams and allowing the success that they've found with those cultures to perpetuate the organization. Excellent. We're talking today with Matthew Wolfert, Principal and Architect at Bray Architects. For more information, feel free to visit their website at brayarch.com or brayarch.com. Our public service announcement for today's show is the March of Dimes. The March of Dimes leads the fight for the health of all moms and babies. They support research, lead programs, and provide education and advocacy so that every family can have the best possible start. Building on a successful 80-year legacy, they support every pregnant person and every family. For 80 years, March of Dimes has helped millions of babies survive and thrive. For more information, feel free to visit their website at marchofdimes.org. Again, marchofdimes.org. We're talking today with Matt Wolfert, architect. And uh, Matt, can you share with us, you know, we talked about some recent projects, uh, a project that maybe maybe had a hiccup, or hiccup, maybe that must be an understatement, and that you obviously overcame it and it just turned into a beautiful project. If there's anything that kind of comes to mind where there. Yeah, it's, it's actually interesting timing. So we probably three years ago completed a major high school project, almost $80 million of investment. It was an extremely complicated project, uh, multiple phases, 2000 students and staff in the building and on the site throughout a, a, a lengthy construction, two to two to three year construction process. Um, the end result is spectacular. Uh, the, the client is thrilled with it. Um, it had its challenges. Uh, it had some budget challenges. It had some change order challenges, had some schedule challenges. Um, it was a really taxing project. And to add to it, it was you know almost five hours from our office. So having the physical boots on the ground, the staff able to respond in a timely fashion was, a, was an additional challenge that we faced. Um, all of this was, you know, pre-virtual meeting. So every meeting was in person and every challenge was dealt with in person. And uh, it really was a, a difficult project. We, we ended up, you know, being successful in completing the project. It was under budget in the end. Um, we remained committed. We didn't walk away. Uh, we doubled down. I started spending 
I'd travel on a Saturday to go meet with the, the client in the morning to walk the building so that on Monday we could have a collective path forward as to how we were going to tackle the project and um, lost a lot of sleep over it. Um, but we stood behind the client. We stood behind the project. Um, and after a little bit of a break, we were actually rehired by that client just last night by chance for their next round of work. Is that right? Uh, and so it was a, a great reminder and an affirmation that you can't walk away from your clients. You have to stay committed to them. And it's more important than ever to stay committed during hard times. It's easy to do that when a project is going great. Uh, so being honest, um, standing behind your work. Um, when, when you have responsibility, take that responsibility. Uh, don't fall victim to the, the culture of blame and trying to finger point. I don't think that really solves a problem, just perpetuates it or, or pushes it down the road. And uh, just kind of a great timing for that question, given uh, the great news from last evening. I'm happy to hear that. Definitely. That level of accountability, obviously it starts um, with leadership and constantly working to improve oneself uh, individually so that collectively you can all um, prosper. How has that been for you, you know, to, that, that sort of level of growth considering the last couple of years? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And, and, you know, honestly, it has been challenging at times. I'd never, as I noted before, I've never led an organization before. I'd, I'd never <sighs> led a growing organization before. Uh, and so the, I think the most important kind of pivot point in the, my growth plan as an individual leader was the moment where you realize you have to trust and you have to put people that you believe in that are talented in positions to succeed. Uh, and so we worked really hard to the old days, the, the old strategy was you could never become architect two until you have managed a project and won a project and you had to do all these 12 different things. And if you checked all those boxes, now you could get that promotion. Um, we don't believe in that generally. We've got some structure just because we need to, but the, the goal really is to put people in a position to succeed. If we have a team member who's been with us for 25, 30 years, and they love to draw technical construction documents, that doesn't mean that they get slotted in or plateaued at a level financially or, 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 or with recognition within the organization because that's what they love to do. We embrace it and they're celebrated and their role is celebrated and it goes back to the we all succeed together mentality. It takes a different skill set to sit at a computer for 40 plus hours a week and grind out quality construction documents. Not everybody has that in them, mm -hmm. um, but it's an absolute necessity to the success of our business. And so that's just one example of how we try really hard. And I learned this that through not doing this early on in my tenure um, to put people in a position to succeed. And if they've got a skill set in an area of interest, I generally think they're going to do anybody can be good at something if you tell them to do it. You're gonna, it's going to be hard for them to be great at it if they don't have a passion for it. And so finding people's passions, where their areas of focus are, what they love to do, and as much as possible, putting them in positions to do that most often. How do you, if without giving away the secret sauce, I guess, is find and nurture talent? That is one of the biggest challenges these days, right? Um, we, we battled for years when we were growing to uh, obtain and, and attract the talent. 
that we need to, to operate the company successfully. Uh, the restructuring of the company to, to delivery teams where there are identified responsibilities, predictable paths for growth, um, I think really does help us attract talent, especially architectural talent. Um, there's the other side of it, which is you still have to be competitive with salaries and bonuses and all the other benefits that, that team members are looking for. Um, we are, we are, I think, very generous in the 401k, I believe strongly in saving for your retirement. And I think we're doing up to an 8% match now as a way just to differentiate ourselves from our competitors who are looking to hire the, the top-notch talent. Um, so I don't know that there's one individual thing, and that's the other thing I've learned. We used to think, well, everybody was just motivated by salary, so we'll just pay them more. Well, it's not even the case. They want a solid salary with a good benefit package. We, all, we have all the new layers of the remote work policies, the flex work policies. What is your culture? Are you doing social events as an organization where everybody comes together? And so all those things that 10 years ago were kind of secondhand questions in an interview, that they're primary questions often now regarding your culture and your benefits package. So uh, admittedly, uh, that's not an aspect of the business that I, I think a lot about, but I do appreciate and have realized, especially over the last three to five years, how important it is to have colleagues and coworkers that you enjoy being around. Uh, and you want to succeed with. Uh, and so uh, hiring, retaining is always a challenge and will continue to be, um, but we're, we're blessed to, to have a relatively stable uh, turnover rate and, and continue to invest in our team members uh, as we look to grow. Matt, is there anything you'd like to share with uh, your audience today that we may not have touched on? I guess the only thing I would say is I, it, there's a lot of people I think that get into architecture thinking it's as I noted before, uh, just a creative profession whereby you're you're always designing. Uh, it's a really dynamic, and what I find most fascinating about it is it, it's such an amazing blend of um, creative and technical. And, and if you can't enjoy both aspects, there are roles for sure. Um, but when you can really find the joy of, of creating something and the technical ability to solve the challenge or, or, or design this, the system uh, that will solve the challenge, um, it is, there's not much uh, in terms of a profession that is more rewarding. Uh, and you have to be passionate about it. And I hope everybody can find something in their life. I don't care what profession it is that they're passionate about because um, it's been harder and harder the last few years to see that passion. Uh, I don't know that passion jumps off of a Zoom screen uh, as much as it does when you're together in a room and you have a good laugh and go grab a coffee or a beer after work. So I just I hope people can get back to the finding the joy in what we do as architects, but hopefully more broadly what you do for a profession um, and go for it every day. Uh, have fun uh, and hopefully you're finding the, the joy and passion that I'm very fortunate to find in what I do every day. Matt, it's been an absolute honor and pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you very much. Really, really was quite a, a lot of joy having this, this interview with you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Tom. I really enjoyed it and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Today we're talking with Matt Wolfert, Principal and Architect at Bray Architects. For more information, feel free to visit their website at brayarch.com. That's Bray, A-R-C-H dot com. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest 
has been Matthew Wolfert, Principal and Architect at Bray Architects. Matt's worked in the AEC industry for over 23 years and has dedicated his career to enhancing school districts and communities across Wisconsin. Over two decades of Matt's impact on communities and educational environments can be seen across Wisconsin supporting his recognition as an icon of construction. For more information, again, feel free to visit the website of BrayArch.com. That's Bray, A-R-C-H dot com. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syracleth. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is recorded from the offices of Syracleth in Redmond, Washington and on location. The executive producer and host of the show is yours truly, Tom Dierl. Thank you for listening.